everyone. We wanted to tell you about a new show we are loving, the Culture Study Podcast with Anne Helen Peterson. It's a show about exploring the nooks and crannies of the culture that surrounds you. Each week, Anne and a super smart co-host answer listeners' questions about the stuff they find interesting and perplexing, like, why do clothes suck now? Is Paw Patrol copaganda or is it not that deep? And what's the deal with everyone I know getting a divorce? Like Anne's tremendously popular newsletter, the Culture Study Podcast is funny, insightful, and kind of weird. And it's guaranteed to help you become the most interesting person at parties. Listen to the Culture Study Podcast every Wednesday, wherever you get your shows. This podcast is free. And it's accessible to everyone, thanks to support from listeners like you. If you value this show, please consider supporting its production by donating to our home, KUOW. It only takes a minute to give, and you'll be helping to support the production of this podcast. Make a donation at KUOW.org or follow the link in the show notes. And thanks! This podcast is not about facts, news, or information. Okay? I am on a roller coaster. What's going to happen next? Well, now I have to yell at you. Text me back. Text me back at once. Why won't you text me back? Text Text me back. Text me back, Megan. Welcome to Text Me Back podcast about best friendship, the best animals, and the worst people. I'm Lindy West. I'm Megan Hatcher-Mays, and I have something I need to say. Oh, what is it? Which is, I think we should change the tagline of our show. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't totally encapsulate what we're all about. Yeah, Yeah, because sometimes we talk about bad animals and nice people. Yeah. And sometimes we talk about the supernatural, which is neither animal nor man. Exactly. Politics, which we talk about occasionally, is hard to classify in these terms. Yeah, I agree. So, okay. You know what would be better would be like two idiots that won't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> two old women who text each other nonsense. <laughs> two dum dums yelling about whatever. <laughs> Mm. Two idiots who should have grown out of it by now. (laughs) I like that. I do feel like the mission statement of the show is two, what did you say? Two old weirdos? Two old weirdos who text each other nonsense. Yeah. Two old weirdos who laugh at their own jokes. Much to their own detriment. (laughs) Two old weirdos tanking their careers by never shutting the fuck up. Two old weirdos who will never be Senate confirmed. (laughs) (laughs) Those are all really good. We're going to have even more at the very end of the show. So listen all the way to the end and then you can hear our full list of ideas. Here's what I think would be great. How about if you have an idea for a tagline for the show, text it to the Text Me Back text club. Yes. And maybe we'll use it. Or vote for the one that you heard that you like. Yeah. There's no losers here. It's all winners. So... If you have an idea for a new tagline for this incredible podcast, text BFF to 206-926-9955. You can join our Text Me Back text club and send us all of your incredible ideas and like whatever else you want to send us. I love our text club. I love all sorts of good stuff on there. And maybe we'll pick your idea. You Uh, never know what we might get up to. You know, sometimes the people around us can be a more accurate mirror for ourselves than what we see when we look in the mirror. And so maybe our loyal listeners know us better than we do, and they can come up with the perfect tagline. Wow, regular Sylvia Plath over there. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What are we going to talk about today? Well, wait. What? Before we talk about what we're going to talk about today, I think we do need to acknowledge that this is a historical moment in the history Of this historical podcast. We got too comfortable and we forgot. We forgot. This has never happened before, Text Me Backalites. Lindy and I are recording the podcast in the same room 
in Seattle, Washington. Yeah. They started us out in a really small room and then they said, oh, never mind. They said, you can both record in here if you talk really quiet like a mouse. And we said, oh, impossible. Oh, you must not be a listener. <laughs> so then they moved us to a great big room and we're like 20 feet apart. That's right. We tried, to, by the way, we tried to record this podcast yesterday, but we could not. We were not successful because there was a ghost mm-hmm. in Studio C. From the FCC. That's right. It was the ghost of commissioners past. Yep. And so we were not successful in recording, so we came back today. There are no ghosts here that we can see, that we can see, that we can perceive. Yeah, this... But we don't know. This studio, uh, this this room has been ghost busted. Yeah. But Studio C, mm-mm. So anyway, um, we had to come back for a second day in a row, which we love because there's free coffee in the green room. Uh, I got a roll of Smarties out of a candy bowl. Mm, I mean, this is the best day of my life. I ate. Yeah, Megan stole my Smarties, but that's that's okay. Megan was like, Lindy, do you have a mint or gum? And I said, I have these Smarties. And (laughs) Megan was like, yeah, that'll work. And I was like, "Um, that'll work in what way? In what way is that the same as a mint or gum? Like make my mouth taste less like garbage. I feel like that was a grift. Yeah, it was a little bit of Okay. Fun. What are we going to talk about today? Today on the show, it's a full-on text me back extravaganza. Speaking of the text club, so exciting. You all cannot stop sending in the spookiest stories I've ever heard and the most exciting swashbuckling tales. The text me back text club will not rest until you and I never sleep again. <laughs> Before we get to your stories, Megan and I are each going to tell a true life tale of the killer. But first... You know what it is. You know what time it is. It's same room tidings. <laughs> it's we're for the first time ever in the same room recording the podcast tidings. <laughs> we did it. We did it. It took a lot of effort to get into this room. We already explained the ghost situation. That was a huge barrier to in-person same room podcast tidings, the ghost. By the time we got to the ghost, we were already exhausted. <laughs> no, we were already in shambles by the time the ghost <laughs> reared its ugly head. The ghost was just the cherry on top. <laughs> Let's roll back through history. Yeah. Backwards through time to day before yesterday. <laughs> Well, it actually wasn't that difficult for me to get here. I just, um, you know, rode a plane. It wasn't that stressful. Then my brother picked me up. So while I'm in town, my brother was like, oh, I have an extra car that you can use. Because he just got a new car, which is the most ridiculous car I've ever seen. It's an enormous F-150 of some kind. He's like, you can use my old Subaru. You can drive a stick, right? And I was like, yeah, totally. I mean, I haven't driven a stick since college, but it should be no problem. I get in this man's Subaru, which, by the way, is not a normal Subaru. It's like a Fast and Furious, NOS, (laughs) freaking like turbo mode, weird little WRX thing. And I was like, it's fine. I could totally. I I mean, the last stick I drove was a... Toyota to sell from 1989, but yeah, I can totally drive this. And yeah, I stalled that engine, no joke, immediately. I stalled pulling out of the parking spot and I said, this experiment has failed. And I flamed out immediately. So my beautiful darling sister-in-law drove me to the studio. You know, uh, when people ask me, can you drive a stick? I say no. Uh, that was that's smart. You, that's what yeah. people should say. But however, I was taught to drive a stick by my mother. And and I feel like my mom will like kind of clown on me for not knowing how to drive a stick. And she'll be like, didn't I teach you? Because my mom loves to drive a stick and like <laughs> vroom, vroom, vroom around. But then I'm like, yeah, you taught me to drive a stick on your 1965 Volvo 544. <laughs> like you taught me to drive a stick on an antique car. It was so hard. It had a a choke. You know, like you have oh. to like push a button oh, to no. inject <laughs> juice into the engine. Yeah, that I think that's right. I don't know what it does, but it was like it was like a Model T basically. And so I never really mastered it. It was very scary. Yeah. I mean, the car was really cool and I was really sad when she sold it, but I don't feel like I had a fighting chance. No. And now you're going to mock me for not knowing how to drive a stick? Teach me to drive a stick on a normal car. On a normal car, on a Toyota Tercel. Yeah, that's what happened with my, with my brother. I was like, oh, it was a failure. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I can't drive your car. And he's like, I'll give you a driving lesson. You can do it if you just believe. <laughs> believe in what? Okay, Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm faithless when it comes to the manual transmission, bro. I'm not doing it. But, okay, I have one more thing to say about this, yes. which is, you know what? I'm sick of the attitude. <laughs> you know what doesn't matter? Being able to drive a stick. I don't need it. 
No. We don't, they don't even barely even make those anymore. Unless I'm on that Formula One show on Netflix, I'm all set. By the way, it's so terrifying when you stall out a manual. This Subaru said to me, go, 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 And then just stalled out in the middle of the road. And I was like, I might just leave it here. I might just leave it here. I did get it back into the parking spot, but I was like, no. And once again, I must say, stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're mm-hmm. used to, which is automatic. Thanks. Um, I agree. But then you got to have a beautiful, smooth ride in Ikea all the way over here to the studio. It was beautiful. It was stunning. Yeah. Meanwhile, I, a resident, full-time resident of this region, I only live two hours away. It was going to be an easy morning. I was going to... Okay, so I spilled tea in my laptop. Yeah. Which was a fairly new MacBook Air pink that I only had because my dog, Barry, spilled a whole pint of water into my previous laptop. So then I decided I'm working on my book. I'm trying to finish my book by the end of February. I'm writing a book. Um, Not reading a book. It's more important than that. (laughs) So I... So, and I was like, I'm going to be the kind of woman who drinks a tea. Mm. I'm going to have an herbal tea in the evening. I don't like tea, but... Yeah, it's disgusting. My friend Jesse, <laughs> who I just visited in Chicago, Jesse drinks like 49 cups of tea a oh, day. knitting celebrity N- Jesse May? Knitting celebrity <laughs> Jesse May Martinson. I just visited her in Chicago. Uh, she drinks 49 cups of tea a day. She has a flawless aesthetic in all things. Mm. And so she just has like a beautiful mug. She has perfect nails. Everything has a color scheme. And the the tea is like aesthetic in this. It's, it's. (sighs) The steam is like rising in perfect little ringlets into the sky. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, and what I love about Jessie, among many other things, is that every detail of her life is thoughtfully composed. Mm. And I was like, I want to be like that. (laughs) I want to be a thoughtfully composed, beautiful tea woman. Uh -uh. Because I am a chaos... We've established on the... Yeah, we've established on the show that we are pig people. Yes. We sweat a lot. We're messy. There's french fries in the bottom of my purse, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And my my office, it's, it's cute. One might call it maximalist, but even that implies a degree of of planning and care. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so I've been very like inspired by my dear friend, Jesse. And so I was like, I'm going to be I'm going to be a tea woman. I'm going to have a tea. Immediately, I spilled the tea on my laptop. My laptop is destroyed. (laughs) It was like the day you decided to be a tea woman. Correct. It was game over. (laughs) I jostled the tea with my arm. It spilled onto the keyboard of my laptop. You know what that was? That was that pig DNA. I know. Rearing its ugly head. (laughs) I took one sip of the tea. My DNA went... Um, it didn't immediately, de- like, when Barry spilled the pint of water in my laptop, the laptop was immediately deceased. Yes. My, this laptop was still on. It was fine. I turned it upside down. I, I got a towel. I thought, uh, you know, you're supposed to immediately turn it off and, like, leave it to sort of dry internally. Before I did that, I copied and pasted my entire book and I emailed it to myself. Yeah. yeah. Stress. I was, like, I was like, oh, my God, I'm 90% done with this book. I was like, Jesus Christ. Um, I go to turn it back on on Wednesday night. I was about to leave to come to Seattle. The trackpad and the keyboard aren't working. I was like, OK. Then I'm bereft, too depressed <laughs> to leave and drive to Seattle. I think to myself, I will just come out Thursday morning bright and early. Which you've been known to do successfully. No oh, yeah. problems. I, I honestly, I love it. I love an early morning drive with an audiobook. I can stop and get a coffee at a coffee stand. I can get a little bacon, egg, and cheese English muffin. I wake up at 2 a.m. on thir- early, early Thursday morning to the sound of gunshots outside my window. Ugh. And then a horrible, terrifying crashing in the forest. Oh, my God. I'm like, what was that? I look out the window. A winter wonderland. It Ugh. has snowed. The trees are cracking in half and falling. <laughs> oh, my God. It, it's we've had a blizzard. It was not on the forecast. I <laughs> there was no indication that it was oh going to snow. God. I get up on Thursday morning and I'm like, okay, well, I'm supposed to be there at 9 a.m. I was yes. going to leave at 6:30. It's like dumping flakes. And just like as a reminder, you live in the middle of nowhere. It's not like, well, even on a good day, Western Washington doesn't have a snowplow. Right. But you live oh, nowhere. Yeah. There's nobody coming quickly to like yeah. When we, clear the roads. When we left, we were the first 
tracks on the yeah. road. Like, yeah. <laughs> no one had driven. It was so Aham had to drive me into town because I, I was supposed to take our little dinky little Hyundai. Yeah. Could not no possibly chance. make it. Yeah. So Aham had to drive me in the SUV as, and then drive all the way back yeah. so that he would have a car Ugh. that he could drive in the snow. It was hell on earth. And it took like four hours to get yeah. here because like roads were closed. Oh, our power was out. And we, since we live in the woods, we have a well, which means that our water is powered by electricity because the well pump is on the electrical. Dude, you're the real pioneer woman. I really am. And when I realized at 2.30 that the power had gone out, I called out to my whole family <laughs> because I have the most experience out there because I've been going there my whole life. Mm-hmm. I cried out through the entire house. You get one flush because the toilet tank will not refill. That's right. <laughs> so, Make it count. Make it count. If you've got a dump to do, make it now. Do it now. Yep. And if you got to pee, you go outside, you pee in the snow. So anyway, I got here like at noon. It took so long and yeah. I'm just exhausted, fried to the bone. And then there's this ghost unplugging our yeah. mics. And I was like, I got to go home. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. Never Hence, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. Day two of Text Me Back. Ghosts, if you're listening, leave us alone. Yeah. Please. Please. Thanks. We've told our stories of encounters with the killer and your stories of encounters with the killer. But next, Lindy is going to take us on a journey through time and tell us about her grandfather's run-in with a radio killer. Megan, guess what? What? We are doing the show that's right. I won't have a fun, fancy jacket from Saks Off Fifth, <laughs> but we will have games and laughter and some secret special friends, maybe. So get your butts over to Town Hall Seattle, Friday, March 15th at 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. And get your tickets at kow.org slash events, or look for the link in our show notes today. At SoundSide, we bring you news and conversation rooted in the Pacific Northwest. Hi, I'm Libby Denkman. I think of my job hosting SoundSide as, number one, asking tough questions of powerful people, the questions you, KUOW listeners, want answered. And two, bringing you a daily slice of the fascinating, confounding, and often goofy side of life in Washington State. Join me for SoundSide at noon and 8 p.m. on KUOW or anytime on the SoundSide podcast. Lindy, we've talked about the killer before on this show. We've talked about our own run-ins with the killer. We've heard from the Text Me Backalites about their run-ins with the killer. Just as a quick refresh, the killer is not so much an individual person, but more of a... He's a concept, really. He's an archetype. Yes. <laughs> That's right. The archetype of or the killer. Or she. Or she. Woman can be killer, too. He, she, they. Correct. That's what they'd be doing. Although, typically, the killer is a man. Like, let's be real about it. I said that as yeah. satire. The killer is a man. <laughs> but the concept of the killer was popularized by the queen of celebrity gossip and former talk show host, Wendy Williams, who sort of gave a name to this nameless, faceless danger who lurks. And she calls him the killer. She's constantly concerned that the killer is going to come into her home. She doesn't want anyone to know where she lives because the killer. And we, everybody who is a member of like a marginalized group knows about the killer. If you are somebody who has to have spidey senses on when you're on the bus or you're walking down the street, you know the killer. So that's what we're talking about um, today. Again, the killer is back. But this one's very interesting because Lindy found an example of the killer terrifying your familial line and in a radio station, which is apt because we are in a radio station currently. It is synchronicity. It's serendipity. It's kismet. I don't know if I've talked about this on the show, but I have a new hobby Mm -hmm. that has its hooks in me deep (laughs) and I can't stop and I am neglecting my work and my family. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little website called Ancestry.com. Oh, oh dear. I can't stop clicking. I can't stop clicking. It goes on and on. I don't know if you knew this, but your family branches exponentially back (laughs) into time. And the further back you go, the more little things there are to click on. (laughs) And... 
I have a a particular interest in this because my dad was an only child Mm -hmm. and his dad was estranged from his like nine brothers. So I had this big mystery in my life, which was my dad's side of the family. I didn't know anything about it. So I got I got in deep. Ancestry.com scratches the same itch for me as a video game. It's for sure game of the year. And a lot of Ancestry.com is boring. Like for most of my relatives, we were simple folk. We were not stars and celebrities. Um, It was like people on a farm digging a hole. And all there is is like a birth record or whatever on both sides. When you get to my grandparents, my dad's parents, they were both super duper stars. They lived in Hollywood and they were mildly famous in the radio biz. In the radio biz. Yes. And in fact, the name West is not my real last name. There's no Wests in my family tree. My dad's real last name was Rickenbacker. Which I love, by the way. I know. Even that wasn't the real name. Their real last name was Rickenmacher. (laughs) um, Straight from Austria. So even the name West was born of the radio because my grandpa was on the radio and they were like, no one wants to say Reckonmacher on the radio and nobody wants to say Rickenbacker either. That's not (laughs) enough. And so he changed it to West. And I didn't realize that my grandfather opened the first West Coast office of CBS radio. He was like the... Oh, really? Yeah. He was like a important... Whatever. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I have a recording of his radio voice. It's not like what people sound like now. A few weeks ago... A paper jobber, a friend of mine down on the peninsula, experienced a bad fire that completely gutted his warehouse. And there's a salesman, a paper salesman in town the next day, calling on competitors of this jobber. He found uh, two of them openly gloating over the other fellow's misfortune. And one of them said, in effect, well, here's where we make a real raid on his customers talk different in the 30s. I don't... It's like how they say a single hot Cheeto would kill a founding father. <laughs> a single minute of this podcast would have imploded your grandfather's brain. Oh my God. Yeah, and he was like a comedy, he produced like comedy radio shows like, but they're all called like the sticky and slim lucky strike hour. <laughs> you know, like, hey, oh, tagline alert. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, you've really struck gold on Ancestry.com when it gives you a link to newspapers.com. I click on this article. I click on this article. I don't know what it's going to be. It could not have been more of a blockbuster (laughs) watershed moment in my life. I can't wait for you to hear the story. Okay. So first of all, I found two different versions of it. One in the Portsmouth Herald and one in, I don't know, some Montana newspaper. They're both from the Associated Press, but the Portsmouth Herald version has a great headline. So I'm going to read. Okay. Okay. And by the way, this is from Tuesday, February 6th. Oh, just last week. Oh my gosh. 1934. So how many years ago is that? 90? Don't make me do math on this podcast. Yeah. That's exactly 90 years ago. You did. <gasps> wow. Wow. Echoes through time. Ghosts. Okay. So the Portsmouth Herald headline says, murder heard over radio. Oh, my God. Unscheduled. This is the su- the subhead. Unscheduled death drama at Station KMJ. Oh. Yeah. What and if it then, was a scheduled death drama? I know. I know. It's so <laughs> funny to think about. <laughs> And then the Montana newspaper says, their headline says, one man dead after former Montanan, because they have to make it local, after former Montanan runs amok in KHJ radio station in Los Angeles. Whoa. I don't know why one of them says it's KMJ and one of them says it's KHJ, but whatever. Okay. Are you ready for this? I am ready. Y'all ready for this? Actually, I don't think I am ready, but please proceed. Okay. An unscheduled death drama broke into the broadcast of radio station KHJ here today. Clarence Walter, running amok with a jackknife, was the leading character. By the way, the way they wrote the news in 1934 is gorgeous. I can't wait for you to hear this. (laughs) He stabbed to death Edwin Wolverton, 21, of Grand Junction, Colorado, and slashed another man about the head while a girl secretary... (laughs) Whom he first menaced, <laughs> fled screaming down the studio corridors and fainted. Oh my God. Okay. Wolverton, 
who died from a stab wound in the head was a former student of the University of Colorado on vacation from a Colorado radio station, KFXJ. The second victim was Warren Fellman, 40, a representative of the Dow Jones News Service. His wounds were not serious. Just slashed about the head a little bit. Just a little bit. Walter, this is Clarence Walter. Walter came to the studio shortly before noon. He went into the office of Grace Kane, a secretary, asking for a job he said was promised him. She told him she knew nothing of it. And he was a stranger to her. And he was a stranger to her. Suddenly infuriated, Walter slipped out a jackknife and pulled open a large blade. Horrified, Miss Kane screamed. Then Wolverton walked in. Walter whirled and struck him again and again on the head, one stab penetrating the brain. Oh. I know. They don't put that in the newspaper anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Fellman came in, and the attacker paused in his hacking of Wolverton and slashed Fellman. I'm going to kill you, he panted with savage curses. I love to see people suffer. Get out of my path. I have a job to do in there. I like how he's still trying to get the job. (laughs) (laughs) I brought my resume. I know he probably means more more hacking, Mm. but let's just assume he still wanted to get the job. Okay, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? C. Ellsworth Wiley, studio manager, and Paul Rickenbacker, production manager, came upon the scene as Miss Kane fainted. Rickenbacker brought the attacker down with a flying tackle. Oh, my God. My grandfather, Paul Rickenbacker, production manager, took down the killer. Oh, my God. With a flying tackle. And all of it was heard over the airwaves. Oh, my God. Can you believe that? No. Okay. The man fought on, flailing around with his knife, which Wiley, after a struggle, succeeded in wresting from him. It required four men to subdue him. Dang. Walter was removed to the Georgia Street station where he put up another battle with the police. The radio station attaches said they had never seen him before. Meanwhile, in Billings, Clarence Walter is a brother and partner of Paul Walter, a farmer living about 20 miles east of Billings. Paul Walter said tonight that Clarence had left here about three months ago to visit relatives in Santa Ana, California. He added that he knew of no reason for his brother's action, that he had always appeared normal in every way, and that he had never had trouble with authorities in Yellowstone County. That's what they always say about the killer. That's what they always say about the killer. Ridiculous. Dude, the killer almost wiped out your family line. I know. If it wasn't for the athletic prowess of your grandfather. Correct. You wouldn't be here. Yes, because you know what? That happened in 1934. And you know when my dad was born? 1935. Damn. Yeah. Clarence Walter almost took me out. Then there would be no text me back. There'd be... You better thank your lucky stars for Paul (laughs) Reckenbacher. But you know what's weird? So I sent that to my mom. I was like, did you know about this? And she was like, your dad has never mentioned that. I never heard that story. He didn't say a word about it. I wonder if he knew. I know. That's so crazy. Was it so traumatic that... Grandpa Paul didn't want to talk about it or Whoa. like because that's the kind of thing that should be entered into the family legend. Yeah. And never shut up about. And also because like my dad loved to tell stories. I heard the story about a billion times that during during the war, when when food was rationed, they got their hands on a roast beef <laughs> because like Grandpa Paul Rickenbacker knew a guy. And then uh, there was a air raid practice. What do you call that? <laughs> yeah, like an air raid siren. Yeah, yeah, went off. And so they all had to, uh, you know, turn out the lights and shelter, like right when they had just sat down to dinner. And then the family dog, Hi-Ho, got up on the table and ate the roast beef. Damn. And no, like no one had had beef in a, in a year. Except for Hi-Ho. So like I heard that story 10,000 times. Not once was I told the tale of the killer. Not a word uttered about the killer. I think that I could take down the killer with a flying tackle. I think you could. Yeah. You know, sometimes when I'm hiking alone with Barry, mm-hmm. like I love that it says flying tackle because that if I have one skill, it's throwing my heft around. Mm-hmm. And when I'm out hiking with Barry and I'm scared of the killer, I think about this time when I was walking with my husband, Aham, and I gently hip checked him and he fell into the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I, me and Barry together are like 400 pounds. Yeah, unstoppable. You know, like I, I think actually we could knock the killer off the cliff no like problem. no prob. Yeah, I so, think you've got it. Yeah, even if they had, a, even if they were running amok with a jackknife. Yeah, it's in your jeans. You got it. It's in my jeans. Yeah, it's in my jeans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
we've talked about the killer a lot on this show. And you and I have actually shared stories about the killer before. And I feel like it wasn't until this week that we both realized we actually have even more direct contact with the killer. So, like, you found out about your grandpa flying, tackling uh, the killer. And then I remembered, it just, like, came back to me. I remembered that I went to elementary school with the killer. <laughs> like, and it's not, I guess it's, like, not funny, but I had completely forgotten about this. When I was in the fifth grade, there was this bully, we'll call him Stanley M- Morton. He was really mean, um, really, really mean. And he had just like a bad vibe, like scraggly bad vibe. And he was really mean to everyone. He was especially, he would like pull girls' hair and like poke people and fight. He, he was always getting like fist fights and stuff. Um, and even in fifth grade, I was like, fuck that guy. And I didn't want to be bullied by him. I just thought he was an asshole. So I was like, I'm going to bully him back, <laughs> like, which I think is technically standing up for myself. Yeah. He would be mean to people and they'd be like, you know, kind of closed down. And I'd be like, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> like I would just get really big. Like he was, a, I don't know what you're supposed to do with like a cougar or something and like fight back. And then uh, my fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Harris, um, did not like that. Like she thought that was really unbecoming. So she was like, Megan, you need to stop bullying Stanley. And I was like, Why? He's a demon. Like, he's so mean. Look, if a girl secretary is being menaced, I know. her role is to faint. I should have fainted yeah. in the fifth grade. Like, that's what I should have done. That's right. Stanley was just menacing everyone. And instead of fainting, I flying tackled <laughs> I flying tackled him. Um, metaphorically, we never actually physically fought. So my fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Harris, sent me to the school like mental health counselor, not a guidance counselor, but like the counselor at school who helps you um, with your brain problems. And she's like, you really need to go talk to her about your feelings because you're clearly violent and you need to be repaired. And I was like, what about Stanley? He is effing people up left and right. He's (laughs) he's like kicking people with steel toe boots in the nose. Like what is happening here? So he never had to go. He never had to go to um, the counselor. Unbelievable. Yeah. So I had to go and I had to sit on the special feelings rug and talk about my feelings. I was not diagnosed with any mental illness, although I did have one. It just wasn't (laughs) diagnosed until I was in my 30s. So that's annoying. Way to go, Mrs. Harris. Yeah, way to go, Mrs. Way to go, feelings rug. Um, so I was I, that always really bothered me. When I was in my twenties, I, I you know I'm scrolling through the old. Well, probably wasn't scrolling. I was probably physically reading a Seattle Times. How about a post intelligencer yeah, or a post intelligencer? Who could say? And lo and behold, who is in the newspaper? But Stanley Morton, who has been convicted of murdering an unhoused person, and I said, oh, really? Really? Maybe he should have gone to sit on the feelings rug, Mrs. Harris. You know, sometimes, like, we're just joking about how uh, somebody does something crazy, like Clarence Walter, and they're like, he's never been like this before. Whereas my situation with the killer is, I could have told you that Mm -hmm. when he was 10. And it it was just like, well, girls aren't supposed to act like that, so you have to go to counseling. But Stanley have a great life you know isn't that crazy yeah that's really crazy and I completely memory hold that and then I was like oh my god how come I didn't mention this on when we talked about the killer because I did battle with the killer and I survived that's why I think of you as my second grandpa (laughs) my third grandpa (laughs) my name is Megan Rachenbacher (laughs) I love your work Coming up, your stories about the two things that we like. Spooky animals and ghosts. And snakes, the third thing that we like. The Text Me Back Club's spookiest stories are next, so time to get scared. I'm terrified. Hey, my name's Claire McGrain, and I'm a producer for Seattle Now, KUOW's local news podcast. There is a lot happening in our region, and it's a lot of work to keep track of it all. We'll get you caught up on the latest news and take a deep dive into something happening around the city, all in under 15 minutes. Get a morning walk-in or grab a cup of coffee and start your day with us. Learn something new and connect with our city by searching for Seattle Now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, now it's time to get into your stories. Text me back lights, babies, little babes. 
you have sent in so many scary stories. You have almost stepped on a snake. You have been contacted by ghosts. You have fought off the hot jaws of a bear. All of your kids are that kid from the sixth sense, apparently. Yeah. It's really unsettling, All you guys. y'all's kids <laughs> are holding hands with a ghost. Whoa. And yeah, we we read them all and we love them all. And we're going to uh, read a few of our favorites right now. These have been edited down a tiny bit just because there's so much to choose from. So don't have your feelings hurt if we read your tale and it's a tiny bit abridged, okay? Yes, but all the stories will be featured on our Instagram at textmebackpod, so look into it. Yeah, and follow us, please. Please. And share us. Please. Okay. Shall I kick things off? Are you ready to get terrified? No! (laughs) (laughs) Our first spooky tale comes from Adam in Tacoma, who was living in one of those classic probably shouldn't have been a real apartment, basement <laughs> apartments on Capitol Hill in a big old spooky house. Uh, very claustrophobic, creepy little basement that he was living in with his wife and his baby son. He says, it was super claustrophobic all around with various hallways that had hard right turns to really enhance the feeling that something not cool was waiting for you around the bend. We were doing laundry conveniently down the hall with our one and a half year old son at that point who loved feeding quarters to the machines. That is a blast. I, I also love yeah, that. It's really fun. I'm your son. <laughs> As I was lugging an overfilled laundry basket back to the apartment one night, my son stopped in his tracks, yelled, ghost and full ran ahead of me back to our door i must mention that we had definitely not taught him the word ghost much less the concept of ghosts for extra spooky points oh god he liked to point at things at our bedroom and name them so adorable but he insisted on pointing at our dresser and yelling man with teeth many many times nope. uh-uh slightly less adorable <laughs> Uh, you know, Adam, thank you so much. Um, I hate it. And uh... man with teeth should be banned. If there if there can be a silver lining to um, the right wing creep toward censorship, can we put man with teeth in there? Yeah. And at least, you know, get something out of it. Prison for man with teeth. The, the phrase <laughs> prison for one and a half year olds who can see ghosts. <laughs> I don't like it, Adam. Child prison. I don't like no, it. Adam, that's really scary. And I don't like it. And um, I, I know I said prison for one and a half year olds. That was a joke. But did you take your dresser outside and chop it up with with an axe? Yeah. Did you Please. call a priest? Like what? <laughs> what happened? Please text us. Yeah, we need some closure on that. Know. Man with teeth. <sighs> I mean, like, what's worse? Okay, put yourself in this situation. Yeah. You're Adam. Mm-hmm. Your baby son, who can presumably barely walk, mm-hmm. you know, points at your dresser and yells "man with teeth." What's worse? If he yelled "man with teeth," or what if we yelled "man without teeth"? <laughs> Oh, God. Without. Yeah. Yeah, man without teeth. It's it's just more specific. Yeah. It's more rare. It's more traumatic. Yeah. To the whatever happened to the ghost. Yeah. You know? But he can't bite you. I don't know. Like, I don't want to get bit by a ghost. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Okay. <laughs> I don't like it. Okay. I don't like it. Adam, you scared me. You <laughs> Thanks, scared Adam. me. <laughs> you spooked me real good, Adam. Thanks. Okay. I already mentioned this, but. Just to reiterate, we truly got like 15 stories of people that were like, I was in my bathtub and a rattlesnake came out of the drain and bit my toe. (laughs) So uh, we can't read them all, but we we were chilled by them all and terrified. But I am going to read one sort of one snake story to rule them all. This is uh, from Katie from Swansea, Mass. Katie says, several years ago, I was hiking with my boyfriend du jour. Mm. Yeah. Spicy. Love that. High five, Katie. Get it, girl. (laughs) Uh, On a trail on a hilly, woodsy area here in Massachusetts. My boyfriend was up ahead of me on the trail. No one else was nearby. Suddenly, I heard a voice say to me, watch out for the snake. Now, this voice was super clear and distinct. It was the most voiciest voice I've ever heard in my life, but it was not coming from any external source. I heard it inside my head. 
but it wasn't my voice or anyone I recognized. It was a male voice, clear as day, calm but firm, and it had this quality to it that is so hard to explain, but it was like nothing was going to interfere with its sound, like it overrode any potential competing noises or thoughts. I did not feel scared or alarmed at all, which was also weird, and at that moment it felt like time stopped and everything froze, including me, as I was mid-step with my right foot hovering several inches above the trail. And then the biggest snake I have ever seen slithered out from the brush across the trail, right across my path and under my right foot and disappeared into the brush on the other side. Then time resumed. There was no one around me. And when I caught up to my boyfriend and asked if he had heard anything, he said, no, I have no idea what kind of snake it was, but I've never seen anything like it before or since. This is not a big snake area. Not like I have all the ecosystem deets, but I've <laughs> lived around here for 40 years and snakes are not a thing that's really on the radar. I'm very thankful that I did not step on that snake because I know for sure I would not be here today Ooh. because either the snake would have killed me or the fear alone easily could have taken me out. Pretty yeah. wild, right? Yeah, yes. Katie. Yeah, Katie. What the hell? Was that Jesus? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You heard it here first. Jesus is a man. God is male. His number one priority is making sure that we don't step on a snake in Massachusetts. There are no other things going on he needs to address. No, it's mostly the snake thing. You know whose voice that was? The snake's voice. It was the snake telepathically letting Katie know, coming through. I have the right away, ma'am. <laughs> ma'am? On ma'am? your left. On your left. I mean, that's the only only plausible explanation. Yeah, I think you're right. Here's our next tale. It's an animal encounter from Baxter in Seattle. I was walking home one night, and I saw what I at first thought was a large dog heading confidently toward me. But when I got closer, they got up on their hind legs, and I could see it was actually a man with teeth. No, it was a massive raccoon. I stopped dead in my tracks. And for some reason, my instinct was to put up my hands and address the raccoon out loud with, I don't want any trouble. (laughs) As if they understood me, they immediately got back down on all fours and sauntered into someone's yard. It's so funny. Hey, hey, man. Hey, man, I don't want any trouble. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. Be cool. Be cool. I just love it so much. I'm going to be thinking about that every day for the rest of my life. I just want you to know that. I love the idea that the raccoon is out looking for trouble. Yeah. But if you're out looking for trouble and then someone says, hey, man, I'm not looking for any trouble. Why would you care? Yeah. I am looking for trouble. Too bad. The raccoon was absolutely looking for trouble. But I guess, I don't know, maybe Baxter Baxter had a good look about them. I think actually what happened is the raccoon said, oh, oh, you've misunderstood. I also am not looking for trouble. I'm looking for pizza. I'm a peace-loving raccoon and I just want trash. (laughs) Do you have that? Do you have that? Baxter, do you have garbage for me? No? Okay, bye. If only Batman's parents had encountered that raccoon. Oh, my God. (laughs) Instead of... But then there would be no Batman. That would be better. Yeah, you're right. I don't like Batman. What's his deal? He's just rich. Who cares? Who cares? Why have we never talked about this? I don't know. Really quick. Count of three. Say who's the best superhero at the same time. Oh, God. No, just... Okay. One, two, three. Don't care. (laughs) I was like, can't think of one. This one is from Lucy in Los Angeles, another sort of mystical animal tale. This is actually Lucy's sister's story, but we'll take it because it's good. One time, Lucy's sister came back from a walk around our suburb in Minnesota very shaken. She claimed that she had been on a quiet part of the walking path in the woods, and a huge deer had made eye contact with her. They both stopped for a moment, and then she says the deer bowed its head to her. She bowed back, and then the deer ran back into the forest. She's not really a person who believes in magic or woo-woo stuff, and she was visibly very affected by this happening, so I guess I believe her. Lindy, maybe you can test this out since you live in the woods. Maybe this is a part of secret deer culture. (gasps) What do you think? I am going to try it out. Yeah. Next time you see a deer, just give it a little... I see one every day. And all I want is for the deer to stick around (laughs) and be my buddy. Have you tried bowing to one? No. No, I I never knew this lore. This is crazy. This is this is giving hippogriff. 
this is giving show it respect and it will let you ride it while it flies over the the lock. There is something like very mystical about seeing a deer, though, especially like if you live in a city and one and you're just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. A deer just ran across Connecticut Avenue. It just it feels it always feels like a portent when you see a deer. A portent when you see a deer. There's nothing more magical than a deer. I love a deer. I love their lashes. I love their horns. I love their little tails. Mm. Their feet are so small. Why are your feet so small? Who did that? Your body's so big. You know, so fragile, so tiny. I will say that deers really benefit from how skittish they are because if you get close to them, they are stinky and covered in ticks. So if they want to, I think they they know that they want to remain mysterious. They want to keep that mystery and they want to keep the romance alive. So they stay away from you. (laughs) Maybe that deer was bowing so that a tick could jump off of it onto Lucy's sister. And it was actually a hostile deer (gasps) encounter. Oh, my God. That the deer was doing biological warfare. Something to think about. They're against us. The deers and the ticks have, I mean, what what are they called? Deer ticks? Mm. They have a symbiotic relationship. This conspiracy goes all the way to the top, Lucy. All the way to the top. It's like that thing where it's uh, the internet's always like, you know how a tarantula and a frog are best friends? Which I'm like, is this apocryphal? Is this true? A scientist is never telling me this. A yeah. guy on TikTok is telling it to me. <laughs> That's but, right. Okay. Oh, a tarantula keeps a frog as a pet. Does he? <laughs> it's always some guy in a gamer chair telling me right. that a frog and a tarantula are two best friends. Okay. I don't know. Whatever you I say. I want to believe, but okay. Whatever you say. Anyway, <laughs> I think we cracked that. And uh, finally, we've got Kat in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Kat says, I was five or six visiting a farm with a group of kids. Some of us were milking a goat and I was the one closest to the goat's head. At a certain point, my head felt weird. And that's when I realized the goat had chewed off one of my pigtails. (laughs) That story made me laugh so hard. That is such a quaint, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so pure. It's like, you know, it it happened on, it's like I'm watching the Andy Griffith show. Is that? (laughs) Yeah, it's like a little house on the prairie situation, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I love it. Uh, I don't like either of those things, but I like this story. Yeah. Megan, remember growing up in Seattle? Uh, I'm curious what side of the divide you're on. I feel like every year all my peers would come back to school and they would have a button on their backpack that said, I milked a goat at the Puyallup Fair. What? And- <laughs> what are you talking about? Okay, well, me, I never once milked a goat at the Puyallup Fair. I was like, what do you mean you milked a goat? Where's that booth? Who Did you have to get specially invited to milk a goat at the Puyallup Fair? I don't even have a point of reference for what you're talking about. I've never heard of that. Do you know what the Puyallup Fair is? I know what the Puyallup Fair is. I know that there are like farm animals at it, but I've never in my life heard of someone milking a goat at it and and then making a big show about how they did it. People had buttons. They had buttons. Megan. That's and wild. Here's something about me. If you tell me that I'm left out of something, even if I'm not interested in it, I don't want to touch a goat's teats, <laughs> but I want it. I want in. I'm milking that goat. That's the Lindy West credo. That's the, That's the tagline of the podcast. The text me back I'm going to milk that goat. I'm going <laughs> to milk that goat. Okay, we actually have two really quick ones that are not about animals, ghosts, snakes, any of that. Um, They're just two really nice things that we got from Text Me Backlights uh, in the text club. One is that for someone wrote in to say that for the longest time they thought my last name was Hat Germaze. Hat Germaze Dupree. Hat hyphen Germaze. (laughs) The famous last name (laughs) that we're all talking about. You should change it. I'm going to. And then the next one is just so nice. And I think just everything we ever wanted. Yeah. Genuinely. Yeah. This podcast to be. This is a little message that we got from Allison. She says, you two have reunited a friend and me. We had a very similar and hilarious friendship in college. And she reached out because the ways you guys talk about your high school friendship was just like us. So many inside jokes and our own way of speaking. A language where every word ended with B. Instead of studying once, we drew turkeys on each other's faces. Why? Comedy. I'm so glad this podcast exists and I'm still laughing at the cream cheese rant, which, if you don't remember, was when Lindy said that buttercream frosting is the proletariat and cream cheese frosting is elitist. Anyway. Correct. Correct. All makes sense. If you felt like giving a special shout out to Anna from Allison B., that would make my year. Love you, Anna. 
Thank you, Allison. That's the cutest and nicest thing anyone has ever said about our show. And all we've ever wanted is for best friends <sighs> to be best friends. You're why we keep going, you know? Every day, Lindy and I are at the podcast training facility. <laughs> doing burpees. Doing vocal exercises. <laughs> jumping on big boxes. It's all for you. Best friends everywhere. Aww. Megan, we we done it again. I don't want this episode to end. I know. Because then we have to leave this room and not be in the room together anymore. I, I <laughs> I'm know. Sad. <laughs> I honestly I wish we would like bank six new episodes I know. recorded in the room together because I do feel like the magic is a little bit more sparkly. Yeah, something that the the energy is electric. But I guess we have to end the show. Next week on the pod when we will be sadly apart once again. Separated. Staring at each other through a little screen. Yeah. We're going to, you know what? We're going to do Snake of the Week. I am always constantly teasing snake content. And I'm never delivering. I am over-promising and under-delivering, which is not the way I like to do business. And not the way for the president of the Snake Fan Club to behave, Lindy. So true. The board is going to be taking this up with you (laughs) at the next meeting. (laughs) No, I'm in arrears. (laughs) And also, we're going to talk about problematic faves. I think that you and I are just desperate to get canceled at this point. <laughs> like, we've already admitted that Donald Trump is funny. We've complimented Chuck Grassley. I shared that Mark Meadows is my favorite member of Congress. And next week, I might say something like, I love Tom Cruise. And then what are you going to do? You're going to keep giving me the benefit of the doubt, listeners? Really? Is that what you're going to do? This show's all about problematic faves. <laughs> Tagline alert. Tune in next week. It'll be fun. And if you haven't already, buy your tickets to our live show, March 15th, 7.30 p.m., Town Hall, Seattle. If you are in the stunning and beautiful Seattle area, we would love to see you. It's going to be super fun. Yeah. We're going to be cackling as loud as a human being has ever cackled in the history of cackling. So if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, go to KUOW.org slash events. You'll find a link to our beautiful and stunning show. You should purchase tickets for you and your bestie. Besties. Thank you so much for listening to Text Me Back. If you like the show, please tell your best friend about us and rate and review us. It helps people find the show. Text Me Back is a production of KUOW in Seattle, a proud member of the NPR Network. Our editor is Jeannie Yandel. Our senior producer is Brandy Fullwood. Our mixer is Jason Burroughs. Diana Bowen makes our video clips, and they are delightful. I'm not just saying that because we're in them. Go enjoy them at Text Me Back Pod on Instagram and TikTok. Our production team includes Michaela Giannotti Boyle, Amelia Peacock, Alicia Villa, Hans Twight, Brendan Sweeney, and Marshall Eisen. Our music is by Chief Aha Mefile J. Oluo. Special thanks to our perfect angel, Azolda Raftery. I'm Lindy West. And I'm Megan Hatcher-Mays. See you next week. Welcome to Text Me Back, a podcast about where's my medicine. (laughs) A podcast about why did I come in this room? Hello? Text Me Back, the podcast that takes down the killer with flying tackle. Every week. Text Me Back, the go-to podcast for pig people. Text me back. I did not wash my hair. Text me back. <coughs> oh, what?